The Boost Podcast is sponsored in part by Reveal Wealth. Let the professionals at Reveal Wealth assist you on your financial journey. From individual financial planning, family financial planning, business planning, insurance planning, and more, Reveal Wealth's holistic approach gives you the freedom to take control of your financial security. No matter your age or stage in life, the professionals at Reveal Wealth are ready to assist. Contact them now for a free initial consultation. Go to WeRevealWealth.com. That's WeRevealWealth.com. Or call 410-928-8081. Take control of your financial security by allowing Reveal Wealth to serve you. WeRevealWealth.com. That's WeRevealWealth.com. Or call 410-928-8081. And tell them you heard about them on the Boost Podcast. Welcome to the Boost Podcast with Kelly Leonard. The podcast providing you with immediate access to tools, tips, and tactics to boost your business and career success. Build your brand, optimize relationships, obtain more leads, secure thought leadership space, and tap into new markets. It's the Boost Podcast. And now... Here's Kelly Leonard. Hello and welcome back to the Boost Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Leonard. Samson Williams is an anthropologist who specializes in crisis management, specifically for banks, financial institutions, and the odd three-letter agencies. (laughs) Today, he's here to help demystify blockchain and to make it common sense for all of us. The parts of Boost we tackle are optimized relationships, and tap into new markets. Hey, Samson, welcome to the show. Let's just jump right in. Share with us, what is the space economy? There's five parts of the space economy. You have launch. Everyone loves launch because it's rockets, right? It's a super highly advanced rocket model, by the way. And so this is launch gets all the sexiness. That's called upstream launch. Once you get into launch, you have satellites. It's in-stream. What the satellites do is they beam down data. That's downstream. So again, upstream, in-stream, satellites, downstream is data. Elon, he needed to build rockets to put satellite constellations and our satellite arrays so he could beam down data. Free Wi-Fi is only free because he wanted to harvest the data. So it starts off with your rockets. That's the infrastructure. So you can put your satellites in orbit. So then you can collect the free data. And so... When we say the space economy, it's like we're saying we're on the internet economy. And you're like, Samson, what's the internet economy? Because if this was like 1993 or 96, and I told you about the internet economy, you'd be like, what the hell is the internet? And so when we say, what's the space economy? You're like, I don't understand what that is. Nowadays, the internet economy is so intertwined with the economy. The only trillion dollar companies are internet businesses. Mm. Um, and so right now the space economy is worth about $485 billion. We have, this only represents a fraction of that launch upstream satellites represent another portion of that. And every satellite has about 10 to 20 people on the ground quilt manage it. Uh, and if you think, uh, tech is really vanilla and white and a PWI, uh, space is even less, there's even less black folks in space, unfortunately. And these are all excellent generational changing jobs, whether if you're in launch, if you're in space, or if you're in the data part of this. This is why it's important for Black folks to know about uh, the space economy in general. Mm-hmm. So 
you got launch, you got your satellites, you got your data coming down. Uh, every time you launch a satellite, you have to pull a permit. So we know Amazon, Google, Facebook, et cetera, how many of these bad boys they have in space. And so this is as when we talk about the space economy being worth $485 billion as of 2022. It's not just the sexiness of launch. Don't get me wrong. I go to Cape Canaveral to see the launches. I get super excited because it's just like, oh, right. But now when we talk about the space economy, we're talking about all of the intellectual property, the IP from the SBIR, Small Business uh, Innovation and Research Grants, uh, the tech transfers, how NASA does these billions of dollars worth of research, has free IP, or not free, some of it is free, some of it you can license for $10,000, $20,000, but the IP you're licensing, it costs hundreds of millions to develop, but they'll license it to you for twenty-five grand. And so as an entrepreneur, that saves you a ton of money. And so when we talk about the space economy, it's not just launch. And so why it's important for Black folks to know about the space economy, because every white guy who's a self-made billionaire will swear that his daddy, who used to be own a, a gym mine in South Africa, only gave him a small loan to build his rockets. Taxpayers are his only customers. Mm. So Claude and Kelly and everyone watching this, you paid for this, for this rocket. You subsidize this satellite. You don't benefit from the data that comes down. You don't get cut a check. And it's like, it's sort of like when we bail out the uh, airlines, mm-hmm. we bail out the airlines and no one sends me my shares. And I'm like, hold up. You just sent taxpayer money to United, Delta, et cetera. And it's the same thing with government funded research. We fund those private businesses, mm-hmm. but we, the people, we don't have any equity or ownership or financial stake in them. So we have a bunch of self-made billionaires, self-made in air quotes, who say, hey, we're creating and defining the space economy. And part of the risk of that is they're saying we're going to colonize space mm. and then y'all black folks can figure it out after we've colonized it. And that's a moral hazard that exists. Mm. There is a lot of money in space because right now the space economy is worth about $485 billion by the uh, end of by the mid 2030s. It's going to be around four trillion. Ooh. Why? They put a lot of satellites up. Right. And the data from the satellite is the valuable component. So again, the parts of the space economy are launch, satellites, in upstream, launch, in-stream satellites, downstream data. The fourth part is exploration, like boldly going where no woman has gone before. And so this is why Michael Brenham, for all your Star Trek nerds out there, Michael Brenham is a real deal in the fifth industrial revolution. Uh, for a simple fact that more women pursue advanced degrees than mm-hmm. men, Mm-hmm. They tend to weigh less and they consume mm. less uh, food and resources because I'm about uh, 100 kilos. You find someone who's 50 kilos, they just consume less resources. They right. can go further. Uh, and women just make better technical pilots as they don't do nearly as stupid, risky things as men do. <laughs> so if you have a, wow. you have a multi-billion dollar ship, you don't want Samson driving it. Because, you know, I'll just be whipping it through the galaxy real hard <laughs> and it might come apart. And so the fifth part of the of the space economy is the role of religion in space. And of course, everyone's like, Samson, what do you mean? Well, remember, we the people, we fund this uh, space exploration. And so the role of religion in space, if you look at past eras of, of exploration, colonization, uh, it's God, gold and glory. So if you want to go discover, air quotes, like the Vikings do, or the Vikings did, or Columbus before 14, in 1492, they go discover someplace where 
folks have been living for millennia. Uh, you can only do that if you for God, gold and glory. And so you always need the church to sign off on whatever that exploration is. So where that comes in place with the space economy, no one wants to fund your billion dollar boys club, a country club of rich, rich folks. Mm-hmm. They don't care how cool your tech is. However, mm-hmm. if you say, hey, I have a I need I need to build a rocket to launch a satellite or a probe that goes to the end of the universe to answer, why are we here? Are we alone? Where is God? Mm. Why are we here? Are we alone? Where is God? Those three questions, unlimited funding. If you say we want to do research on Uranus to map the moons of Saturn, no one cares. No one's writing a check for that. If you say, hey, we think God is in the uh, rings of Jupiter. You're like, oh, why didn't you say that? I'm sorry, rings of Saturn. Jupiter doesn't have rings, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So help me to understand the part about the spaceships and then the satellite, because does that also explain why there would be this desire to keep having these space explorations? Because every time a ship goes up, a satellite is let, like is something left every time a ship goes up and with the set with each satellite that gets left, that's more data that can then be collected. Oh my gosh. Like, I feel like <laughs> so, so much enlightenment right now. You just don't know. Oh my goodness. It's all starting to make sense to me now. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm an eighties baby. So you saw like the space shuttle Columbia, the space shuttle program in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, we replaced the space shuttle. We went back to the old Saturn five rocket designs where we're like, mm-hmm. no, we have rockets. And on top of the rocket is a capsule. Yes. What's in there is a, it, depends on what the purpose of the mission is. So to your point, every time we launch a satellite, we leave something in orbit. Mm-hmm. 99% of the time, that something is uh, some kind of satellite that takes photos, t- uh, heat readings, collects some type of data, collects space data. So this is why when we have the s- space shuttle, mm-hmm. it costs about $100,000 to take kilo into space. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we have reusable rockets, by the way, in 2020, an amazing thing happened for the human race. Elon, even though he's sort of evil, he was like, I can land a rocket vertically and reuse it. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. Yeah. Um, because it's very similar to if you've ever gotten on a Boeing 747 or Airbus A380, if you left from DC to Dubai and when you got to Dubai, you threw away the plane. That wouldn't be very sustainable. Right. But he says, no, we can use these rockets up to nine times. So what it does is we're lowering the cost of launch, of payload, Mm -hmm. of how Mm -hmm. much it costs to get satellites and other stuff into orbit. So right in the past, it was about $100,000 a kilo. Right Mm -hmm. now, it's only about uh, $5,000 a kilo, and it's going down even lower as we have more launch capability. Um, So that's why it's super important to be aware of this. Gotcha. So now explain to me blockchain in like 60 seconds or or maybe even more than that, but explain it to me as if I'm a fifth grader, because you already know, like I already looked at you side eye when you said something about space economy. I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So explain blockchain to me. Cool. So uh, you, me, Claude, and a phone number, 555 or in a group text message. So I have a hundred bucks. I send Mm -hmm. you 30. You send Claude five. Everyone can look in this group text message, scroll up, scroll down, and it says Samson has $75 left. You have $25 left. Claude has five. And this other phone number, 555, Claude sends him a, sends that person a buck. We don't know who that is because it's, it's an anonymous number. 
a pseudonymous number. Okay. So in this group text message, and we've all been in group text messages, yes. we have four people, we can have 400, 4,000, doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. We have a distributed timestamp encrypted ledger of records. Okay. So when people say blockchain, they really mean group text message, meaning okay. I need to be able to scroll up and down to see how much money does Samson have? He has 75 bucks. I can't mm-hmm. say I have 750 million. I can't say I have 7 billion because we all see in this ledger that we scroll up and down, start off with 100, only got 75. And so where the black magic comes in for blockchain and banking, mm-hmm. while we're in this group text message exchanging data, mm-hmm. there's no bank. Okay. So you cut out the middle. We cut out the middle man. Okay. And so then it's like, oh, and it's like, yeah, this isn't actually new technology. It's very old technology because it's even older than a SMS, simple messaging system okay. and text messages. Mm-hmm. And so the crazy part about this is, you have to get humans to believe that the exchange of data mm-hmm. has value. Otherwise, we're just exchanging records. Um, so a blockchain is a public, this is a public group text message. Mm-hmm. And so if I go to change something, if I say, hey, I now have $750 million, everyone in this group text message would be like, no, you don't. So I gave Kelly 25. She gave Claude five. Claude gave this random number a buck. Mm-hmm. That's where the group can validate how much money I actually have. And so when we talk about blockchains and we talk about the space economy, mm-hmm. if you think of satellites, I know mm-hmm. people listening can't see this, but Kelly's like, oh, yes, <laughs> satellite in my hand. If you think of satellites <laughs> as your cell phones and you have a satellite array, meaning a mm-hmm. bunch of satellites around the world. Now the question is, what type of data do you want to manage on these satellites? And so instead of sending money to each other, we're sending data. And everyone will say data is the new gold, data is the new oil, and that's 100% true. Hmm. Because when you, in, when you have a satellite array that uses blockchain, you're encrypting the records of data between your 100 satellites. It's so well encrypted that you can show it to the world and they can't change it. Or you can encrypt it so they just can't see it. That's the actual value of blockchain. It's not sending quote unquote money it's exchange of information. And so okay. of course, people like what kind of data comes from space. And it's my favorite kind of data around global warming and climate change. And people are like, what do you mean global warming and climate change? If you've ever seen a glacier, it used to be this big. Mm-hmm. And they show you it's shrinking. Where do you think that photo came from? Oh, and from it, space. Yeah. Oh, it came from space. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about space data, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, why that's important for one of my businesses, the Milky Way economy, because as economists, we track a variety of data. But when you look at how much money we're putting into green technology, mm-hmm. we're looking at how much money is going into addressing global warming, climate change, carbon capture, um, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You have to start off by understanding what is the potential market size. And that starts off with understanding the data we get from space. So, okay, the by and large, many of the listeners to the Boost podcast are business owners, entrepreneurs. How do we equate what you should like? Where, where is there a business opportunity within all of this conversation, or where, how is money made when we think about the space economy? How does the non Elon, the everyday average person, profit or benefit from what's going on inside of blockchain, crypto, all these 
things that we hear about but are very unfamiliar with, or at least I'm unfamiliar. Let me not speak on behalf of everybody else. <laughs> no, it's okay. This is why it's important because even the Space Force, we now have a Space Force. Yes. Uh, it's two. It's almost three years old now. Uh, NASA's budget for this year is $21 billion. Space Force's budget for this year is $17.4 billion. Prior to that, it was $15.2 billion. Why you need to know about Space Force in specific, it's part of the DOD. Mm-hmm. And so if you've ever heard of SB8A, Small Business Administration, mm-hmm. Space Force is looking for minority-owned businesses who are SBA8 to provide them services. And you're like, what kind of services could Space Force possibly need? I'm not going to space. That's mm-hmm. awesome. 99.9% of the folks in the space economy are never going to space. Remember, space, the space economy, the data that comes down from the satellite, that's mm-hmm. the real value. However, if you're thinking about Space Force, you can do training for project management. You can, do, uh, le- you can provide them logistics. They just, they have new bases. They're converting Air Force bases into Space Force bases, which also means the laundry services, the food uh, contracts are being converted. I know someone who's super successful uh, right outside of DC and all they do is provide linens to Fort, uh, one of the army bases. And that's a huge business for them. They make a few million dollars a year just pro- providing linen. Mm-hmm. Now that you've heard, oh, Space Force's budget has gone up nearly $2 billion in one fiscal year. You're like, oh, I should probably check out the other uh, bidding opportunities for Space Force. Mm -hmm. And again, it's just like if you were bidding for the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, or the Marines, what do they need? So again, you're not going to space, but you're providing services to the folks on the ground. That's the first step. Mm-hmm. The next step is through NASA's Millennial Challenge Program, through the SBIR projects. There's so much IP that you can use. Uh, Femi Anabaggio, he used to play for the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he uses he has an app called Health Reels, where he licensed some IP from NASA's tech transfer program. It cost him like I'm going to say no more than twenty thousand dollars to build out his. Uh, so you take your phone, he scans your body. And has a different way of telling you what your body com- what your body mass index is. Mm. Super cool. His name is Femi Anabajo. You can mm. look him up on Health Reels. Um, so all of this IP that NASA has been developing since the 50s, it's mm-hmm. available for anyone to commercialize. Wow. Okay. So it sounds like there's a tremendous opportunity for folks who are investors, who are business owners for just providing services, products, solutions, et cetera. Oh. And if you're if you're an investor, you can visit spaced with a D spacedventures.com mm-hmm. and it will give you a list of the approximately 1400 startups that are in the space economy. Oh, um, wow. The majority of them don't actually go into space. But again, there's about 1400 businesses. These are only U.S. business based businesses. We're not including the businesses that are coming out of uh, United Arab Emirates in Dubai, uh, Japan, South Korea, Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Uh, Nigeria, Africa has a huge role in the space economy because they don't have to build out the infrastructure. They can actually just catch a ride on a rocket, put their satellite on there, because in that satellite is their algorithm, their program, of what data they want to harvest, capture, or convey. Gotcha. So then how does blockchain and all this space economy and all that, because a lot of us hear about like cryptocurrency, like what is the relationship there? Uh, poor people use cash. Rich people get paid in data. Say that As again. Poor people use cash. Uh-huh. Rich people get paid in data. Okay. So uh, crypt- 
cryptocurrency is essentially date. It's essentially data. Is that uh, what you're saying? Cryptocurrency is what poor people use. One, it's a religion. Okay. I like your eyes. They're different. like, hold up. What did you just say? <laughs> so if I can convince you that my digital line of code is worth X or can exchange it for Y, that's awesome, but it's not backed by anything. Now we just have to get into, hey, we're practicing a, a type of religion. Uh, granted, the full faith and credit of the U.S. government could also be contrived as a religion. However, Uncle Sam has the ability to collect taxes. And mm-hmm. he has the uh, United States Marine Corps who will enforce said taxes along with the IRS. Mm-hmm. But uh, my challenge with cryptocurrencies is, and I tell people, don't give up your hard-earned money for someone else's religion. Because mm. that's what it is. You give me cash, I give you this digital invisible thingamajiggy that you can't see. Right. And I'm telling you it's worth something. Mm-hmm. What makes it worth anything? And I love having this conversation about Bitcoin, uh, the most popular of the cryptocurrencies, because I ask a very simple question. Uh, how does Bitcoin generate revenue? And then we just sort of stare at each other. <laughs> and it's like, oh, it doesn't because it's, it's not a business. <laughs> Right. It's a line of code. Why it has value? Because you say it's scarce. I'm like, but it's code. I copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste. You're like, but people, you've got all of this mining and algorithm. I'm like, eh, that's ritual. Every year, come November, in the U.S., we spend about $2 trillion a year on Christmas. Mm -hmm. Christmas is just ritual. Don't get me wrong. Ritual is super important. Uh, Ritual and custom is super important. But at the end of the day, when we're talking about money, Mm -hmm. What good is ritual? So people are like, oh, no, I just spent all this money mining. Um, I set up these elaborate mining rigs. I'm like, that's all ceremony. It's not necessary. But people feel it's necessary. People feel that Bitcoin has value because they expend so much energy and real cash making mm, it real. Right. So just remember, uh, Bitcoin does not generate revenue. It's not a business. It's an ideology. It's a religion. And so if you want to support that, that's awesome. I'm a fan of the old gods called cash. And so, you know, that's that. Okay. So my final question for you, because I know a lot of what we're talking about is investment. So why do you believe that real estate is the best investment? Uh, It's real. Number Mm. one. Okay. Uh, number two, I'm still waiting on my 40 acres and a mule. <laughs> you and me both. Uh, <laughs> uh, primarily because real estate is a good investment because historically black and brown folks, we've been excluded from ownership of real estate, real land uh, and property. Uh, while we ourselves were, con- were viewed as property, we, were all, we have been historically denied the ability to own property. Not only through slavery, we had a, maybe a few years during reconstruction, but after that, we just went back to Jim Crow. I used to work for Fannie Mae doing evil things. So I can tell you all about uh, how biased housing law is, how yes. HUD housing and urban development created ghettos. And so here's, here's where, forget who said it, slavery didn't go away. It was just expanded to include everyone. Mm. If you don't own your, where you lay your head, your rent is probably 30 to 40% of your income. I don't need to put you in shackles if I can have an, a systematic way of sucking down, drawing out, depriving you of 30 to 40% of your lifetime income. Because if you don't pay your rent, I can just have the boys in blue, the sheriff, come evict you. And as a person of color, I try to limit my interactions with the police as much as possible. And so I'm a big fan of owning, of, particularly for real estate, because mm-hmm. 
That's how you convey generational wealth. Mm. So I will give you a word of caution to anyone who's going to go into the metaverse, going to go into NFTs, non-fungible tokens. If you say, hey, I'm going to go buy land in the metaverse, that's just Jim Crow. Mm. That's just the digitalization of Jim Crow. The devil is going to convince you that you own a line of code, that you own basically a domain name. It's actually not even a domain name. And I'm like, how are you going to generate revenue off of your land, air quotes, in the metaverse? I've convinced you that you own something that only exists online. That's like telling, that's like me telling you, I'm going to sell you a castle in Dungeons and Dragons. And so is it, does it generate you any income? Are you going to give it to your kids? The answer is no. And so if you're thinking about becoming an investor, if you've been a successful entrepreneur, that next logical step for the conveyance of wealth mm-hmm. is, oh, I'm going to go own where I rest my head at and all of my children will not have to pay rent. They won't be burdened by having to pay rent or a mortgage because they own that they own that piece of property outright. And that is where you really have a pivot in, uh, you pivot your whole bloodline if you don't have to pay rent. I'm going to say this one last thing and stop. It really, really upsets me and pisses me off when you're in South Carolina, Mississippi, Alabama, and you say, oh, they like, this plantation has been in our household for seven generations. Because what that means is no one in their family has had to pay a mortgage or rent for mm. seven generations. Mm-hmm. It gives them such a huge advantage. And they don't even, and they're not even ashamed to say, my great, 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 great grandparents enslaved yours. So now you're still a modern day sharecropper. Mm. And that's why you should own where you lay your head at. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for that, Samson. This has been a wonderful conversation. We covered a lot of ground and we just jumped right into it. And I appreciate you. And so if folks are listening and hearing about you for the first time, what's the best way for them to perhaps circle back to you to tap into any resources or information that you may have available? Uh, You can Google me, Samson Williams, S-A-M-S-O-N on the internet. Uh, I teach at Columbia University in New York. So you're always welcome to come down and have a class. I teach at University of New Hampshire School of Law. Um, about blockchain, cryptocurrency, and law, some uh, intellectual property stuff. I'm not a lawyer, so don't ask me legal questions. I'm only a lawyer on Twitter. Uh, otherwise, you can find me at samsonwilliams.com. Um, and if you see me in person, I'm always happy to buy you a drink or some tacos. All right. I'm going to hold you to that, my friend. <laughs> Good stuff. Thank you so much for your time, Samson. Appreciate everything that you shared. You're welcome, Kelly. The Boost Podcast serves an energetic community of business leaders, entrepreneurs, and individuals who are growth-minded. If you, your business, or organization would like to share your service, product, or expertise with the Boost Podcast community, contact Kelly Leonard. Email kelly.leonard at taylor-leonard.com. Again, that's kelly.leonard at taylor-leonard.com. Well, that concludes this episode of the Boost Podcast. Thank you again for listening in. If you don't mind, if you could like, subscribe, or share the podcast with a friend, I would greatly appreciate it. For more information on anything Boost related, you can visit our website at www.kellytleonard.com. 